Yeah. Turn it up, man. Rock the shit. Oh, yeah. Hey, Malik. Malik picked out the music this time, man. Listen up. Malik knows me now. All right, bring it down. Bring it down. Thank you, Malik. You finally know me. You know what I like, bro? I like rock and roll, bro. And you did it. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. You know, I felt the energy low from you today, but you rocked it. So I can't, I guess I was wrong. I guess I was wrong. You rocked. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Tales from a Gemini. It's BT. And I don't know why, man. I'm in like in a uh, kind of mood. You know why? Because <laughs> I, I was running a little bit late today. Um, I'm going to shoot another like a commercial, whatever. So I had to go do a, a shoot, a, a fit, a fitting just right down the street, actually, about three blocks down the street. Okay. So anyway, I did that. I had to go all the way down there and did that. And then I had to go back home and I got a little workout in. But for some reason, I was just shitty. I just, I hate it when you're running a little bit late and there's traffic, but nobody wants to go fast. I mean, like not fast, so you don't have to go as fast as me, but it, sh it should pain you as an individual, as a person, when you get beaten off the line by a, like a semi. If you're in a car and, and, a, and a semi or a, or a city bus beats you off the, uh, the light, shouldn't it, shouldn't it hit you as, as pride as a person? I mean, honestly, doesn't you gotta, it? You got to feel that a little bit. Dude, I mean, honestly, like, if, if a semi's pulling another semi and it beats you off the light and you're not passing it, there's nothing that pisses me off more than that. I have to work on my yoga breathing when I, when I come down here because everybody gets in my way. And if there's a Honda Odyssey, it's done. Honda right. Odysseys will always hold you up, always. Right. A Honda Odyssey is the worst, man. The, the, when you see that, you know it's going to be a long day. You, get, yeah, you know exactly what Get your yoga answer. breathing in. Namaste. You got to relax. So anyway, anyway, so I'm, I'm hopefully I get into a better mood. Uh, today's guest, uh, it's going to be awesome. Uh, I met this guy. He actually has little ties here in Indiana. He uh, is the only African-American. Well, I don't know if he's African-American because I think he's English. Uh, the only uh, black member in the MotoGP paddock. And he kneeled and he's the only one kneeling. He's also the only one kneeling in the paddock. And man, I, I, it sounds like nothing, but it means every, to me it's everything though. I mean, you told me you hit the glide. I heard it. You heard me. I just hit like, uh-oh. I been like five minutes, like, uh-oh. <laughs> so, but yeah, he's the only one. <laughs> I tried to be slick. I tried to be slick about that. And hit the like, oh, why I've didn't see? I've never noticed something so much. <laughs> yeah, there, there goes me trying to be slick. But yeah, so, so anyway. I'd rather you just tell him to be honest. Like yeah. I should, well, I wasn't like I was trying to hide it from you. I wasn't like I had money. And hide it. By the way, thanks for picking up the money for the Starbucks. I appreciate that, man. Thanks for laying that. Oh, yeah, no out. problem. Anyway, so no yeah. Problem. So uh, he's the only black guy and member of the MotoGP paddock, and he's also the only person who kneeled. And so I want to ask him about that. I think it's going to be interesting, man, because I, I mean, I've been to the paddock, and it's just going to be interesting to me. I, I always want to talk to somebody who actually kneeled. I mean, that's a big, big thing to do. And so, anyway, I'm waiting on him. Uh, his name is Francis Bradfield. Going to wait on him. And in the meantime, oh, there he is. I, I told you, that's still my favorite thing in the whole world when that happens, man. When I see that, it's like, yes, it's working. It's working. Here we go. He's going to click on. He's clicking the link. He's clicking the link. He's, come on. Come on, Francis. And then Francis comes on. And then you can go get me my vanilla chai latte. I got you. <laughs> Francis, Wait. what's up, buddy? Can you hear me? Hello. What's going on, man? Hey. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you, buddy? 
really good, thanks, dude. Good. I had a nice, I had a, a nice little intro about you. I told him about how you're the only black guy in the MotoGP paddock, the only guy that kneeled, and also, uh, you know, I forgot how dev devastatingly handsome you are. That's why I hated you when I first saw you. <laughs> when I was in the paddock, I go, oh man, I hate that. I hate. I was the only black guy there. I was like, yeah. Then I saw you, and I was like, oh man, this guy. I know he gets all the ladies because you got that smooth debonair look. You got the afro look that chicks love. And you got that that dashing smile. You're like a supermodel. And at first I was like, I hate this guy. And then you were so nice. And I was like, I can't hate this guy. And then we became friends. And here's how cool of a guy you are. You said, hey, let's keep in touch. And I'll come through Indiana sometime. We'll go out to eat. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did. And I'll be damned one day. You go, hey, I'm coming through Indiana. And you came through. And you had the company card on you. And we ate on the company dime. And we ate well that day. We ate very, matter of fact, I got, yeah, a I got a dessert. I got things I wouldn't even eat. All because I knew I wasn't paying for it. It was one of the greatest nights ever. <laughs> So how you doing, buddy? <laughs> Where are you right now? Where are you at right now? Uh, I'm in the paddock at the Austrian GP. Well, I, I know. Oh, okay. So you're actually at the paddock right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh. I'm in the technical truck. Okay, okay, okay. Now, now you changed. You you've been with Alpine Stars, and now you're with. Who are you with now? Suomi and KYT helmets. That's right. Now, nice helmets, by the way. I love those helmets. Yeah, they're good. The arrow's good as well. They're great, yeah. And I was thinking, you know, since you probably if, if there's an extra helmet lying around, you could just mail it to the United States. I think that'd be great, you know. Could be. Yeah. Could be an option. <laughs> I'm just joking, man. So let's go for a little bit about your about, about your background, man. When I met you there. I knew you were like you. You liked motorsports, and I, from what I can remember, because usually on these I have a lot of like you know the Wikipedia and everything. I can do a little cheating, but for you I had nothing. So I was like, oh my god, I really <laughs> got to go from grassroots. Try to remember our conversations. I remember we had great conversation when we ate, and I remember we talked a little bit at the GP. I think I met you in, either in Horeth or was it Assen? Do you remember? Definitely Aston, I think. Yeah, I think it was Aston we met. And I was like, oh, my God, another brother. And we and we talked, and you were so cool. And like I said, we kept in touch, and it was great. Because now, what's your connection to motorsports? Like, how did you get involved in motorsports? I just grew up loving cars and um, eventually found a motorsport engineering degree, studied it, and then one day found the Alpine Stars job, and that was my, my way in. Now, now, how what was your connection to Indiana? Because I know I mentioned I lived in, in Indianapolis, and for some reason, I think you spent time here because you showed me, you drove a hoopty, and you showed me a picture of it that you yeah. drove here, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was kind of car you get pulled over for and you go to jail for. It was like it was like a little hoopty, and you rode it, and you drove it, and I was like, what the hell? And you have ties here, so how was that, how did that happen? Uh, so after I studied motorsport engineering, me and my best mate um, found a business and logistics internship, okay. which was sponsored by a trucking company. Um, so they flew us out, educated us, and while we were there, we were driving team truck 24-7 for two years. Yeah, I remember that, because I was like, how did you, Indianapolis, so, and you actually lived here, right? Yeah, yeah, we were based out of Indy. Where, like, where, where in Indy, like, what part of town? Uh, we were in our truck. <laughs> <laughs> you lived out of the truck? We didn't actually have a house, yeah. Are you serious? Seriously. Well, you lived out of a truck? Yeah. So, like, what kind of truck was it? Like, was it like a like a semi or? Yeah, full semi, eighteen wheeler. Are you serious? Seriously, dude. Yeah, me and my best mate, two years. So, uh, out in a truck. two years in a truck, two years. So, how'd you guys take yeah. shower? How'd you guys take showers and all that and take care uh, of business? The, the, every so often, we'd stop at a um, like an operating center from the company. They had them everywhere. We'd just jump out of the truck, go for the. Like they had shower cubicles and like rooms where you, you could just chill out and stuff on your own privately. So, 
yeah. Really? Man, that's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you like it? Did you enjoy that? It was wicked. We drove, like, everywhere. We did 40 states in the first month. Um, so we saw everything. It was kind of like a massive road trip, just in an 18-wheeler. Wow. That, man, that's, that's the way... You, but you were young. Though. How old were you, like, 19, 18, 20? 21. Oh, that's it. You, you were legal to drink in the States, so you're traveling around the world. you got a big rig. You're young. You're, you're light-skinned, so like chicks who don't really like dark-skinned black guys like me, they like you. So you were living the life, bruh. Like, hey, you want to see my big rig? And you're like, yeah. And you take a chick out to the rig. <laughs> Boom. That's how you do it. Right? Maybe a couple of times. <laughs> Maybe a couple of times. Like, whoa. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble because I think I know I know your girlfriend. I don't want to get you in trouble, but uh, like, yeah, what would be your opening line? Like, did you really, would you stop at bars and be like, "Hey, listen, uh, me and my butt," and they hear that accent. Once women hear that accent, or especially on a black dude, they hear the accent here. They go, "Oh my god, where are you from?" And you're like, "I'm from England." Yeah. And they go, "Oh my god, <laughs> that is so hot." And then like next thing you know, bam, 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 right? And then you're like, "I, I gotta go," and you blow the horn when you leave. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Man, okay. The accent, the accent worked a lot. <laughs> I bet it did. Okay. So now, so now, okay, we're working out fine stars. Okay, so now let's get to the meat of the, uh, the meat of the issue. Because honestly, I thought about this when I was on my motorcycle. I was playing, who am I going to get for a guest? You know, I like to have interesting, because, I, you know, at the very end of the interview, it's always about something positive. And that's why when I interview somebody, it's always that positive thing that rings through. And I just remember, honestly, for I'm, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but I just remember when, uh, you know, uh, all the protests started happening here and things were going crazy here in the States. And man, and then so what Lewis Hamilton was doing it for F1, I thought was great. And then I was scrolling through my Instagram feed and I saw you kneeling. And man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, Oh my God! Good for you. For I mean, I mean it from the bottom of my heart, man. Like, walk me through that. Thanks, what man. What really motivated you to do that? Were, like, were you were you ever politically like savvy? Were you politically active? Or I mean, did you ever do any marches before that? Or was this something that really hit you in the heart and said, "I got to do something"? So, I mean, I recently moved from Italy back to the UK, mm -hmm. and it was just kind of as as this big movement started. Um, and I was talking to my friends and, and doing a lot of reading. And the one of the first marches in Parliament Square in London happened. And I was like, I'm going, got to go straight there and, and show some support. And then kind of just like had my own personal dealings with discrimination and then rocked up at MotoGP. And obviously a lot of sports are, are showing some support because they've got a massive platform so that they can push the message and help out and just... I just felt like MotoGP could have jumped on this. They're, they're a really diverse place, and they, they can show off their diversity. Um, so I thought, why are they not doing anything? And I was like, do you know what? If nobody does anything, I've got to, because the support needs to be shown. The issues need to be raised. Okay, so now you say you dealt with some discrimination. Like, what kind of discrimination were you dealing with during that time? Like, I mean, was it the classic, was it the classic, like, uh, well, just tell me what kind of discrimination. Because we all go through something where you go, eh, I'm going to let that slide because you know something bigger is coming down the road, or you know what I mean? Like, what, what kind of, yeah. what were you dealing with? What were you dealing with? Just, uh, just growing up, really. Uh, I had a lot of issues with the police, um, driving, just assuming that I'd stolen cars or up to no good all the time. and. It's just mind my own business, got pulled over, dealt with aggressive police 
a fair few times. Um, just being tried, just har- massive harassment from them, really. In England or or here in the states? No, in, in the UK. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's everywhere there. I mean, honestly, and I'm just saying, saying absolutely everywhere. Well, I'm just saying from you know from my perspective, I only started traveling you know internationally about in the last ten years. So. You know, and maybe that's that's the ignorance of me being from the United States, just thinking it just happens here. So did that movement hit you like, yes, it's everywhere, and we got to yeah. do something because you because you experienced it. My last big experience was um, just before the Qatar GP. I was at my home in Italy, and uh, there's a person that used to live behind me who who always was kind of aggressive towards me and, and the dogs that I had, and. Um, Event, he, he always wanted to say he was going to kill them and, and this and that. And then one day I asked him to stop saying it and he called me the N-word and just kind of really hit me quite hard, obviously. Um, and so just dealing with all of the discrimination over so many years, now that the movement's hit, it's, it's really time to make a change, you know? This wow. can't go on forever. Now, what, now, was the guy Italian who did it? Who yeah, said yeah, it? old Italian guy. Oh, okay, now... I've been in Italy, and I think I had a similar situation. But I'm not trying to, you know, single out Italy at all. But I'm just saying, of the times that something may have happened, it's always been in Italy, and it's like I kind of felt that there a little bit. Like I, I, I spent my fiftieth there, and I, and this guy said something to me, but I don't know what it was, and 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 I, and I'm pretty sure that's what it was getting to be. The, the, I'm pretty sure that's what it was about, and I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I was also playing stupid. I go, I, I don't understand you. And I was kind of, basically, I was trying to get him to get closer to me so I could be like, what did you say? I kind of wanted to grab him. But I was like, what did you say? And I was kind of doing this. And luckily, the girl that was with me goes, she told him to leave. And I think he said something, but I don't, but I didn't know. So I was just trying to think. But maybe it's Italy, but maybe it's just everywhere. I mean, I think maybe it's, it's uh, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's, Italy's got its issues because they've had a lot of immigrants. Um, and these immigrants are struggling to find work. So they're just hanging around everywhere. And so there's a lot of hate towards black people in that sense because they all come across from Africa. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. So basically, Italy's Italy's Mexicans are black, basically. I mean, for like Americans, yeah. no, seriously, <laughs> Italy's Mexicans are black is basically what I'm trying to say. You know, uh, Amer- yeah, Americans try to blame everything on the Mexicans, so that's what Italy does. They blame it on the black, and they're just looking for work, looking for a better, a better, uh, better way of life. And so when everything starts going downhill, the best place to point the finger is, you know. The immigrant, correctly? I mean, people, when I was out there, and it happens other places too, people stare at me like I'm this alien. And how does that make, I mean, how does that make you feel though? I mean, like, do you speak and try to show them that, hey, I'm educated, I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, do you understand, I mean, do you ever ever try to reason with them, is what I'm trying to say? No, I mean, nobody, I never really spoke to anybody that kind of looked at me funny. Um, It was always from afar, but you just, carry on you feel it you just gotta carry on yeah you know as we say yes as we say here just keep it moving you know i mean it's like you just okay you just gotta go about your business but sometimes man it's it that that pressure sometimes it just gets you to the point you just you want to sprint and only i don't know if it goes anywhere else but but being that you're african-american or how would i call you i mean honestly because you're english so you're not really african-american so what would i call you i'm i'm half english and half nigerian so oh my gosh (laughs) So you're very, very smart. I mean, you're Nigerian. That means you're incredibly smart. And you're English. That means you're, you're, you're like, smart on top of smart. And, <laughs> and honestly. So, okay, so who, who I guess, I, I don't want to stereotype, but obviously your father was Nigerian, right? Yep. yep. Oh, and your mother was probably English, right? 
Yeah. And he was like, oh, my God, they must have you. And she was like, I don't think my father would, I don't think my father would like that. <laughs> and she, and he, started, he started playing the Beatles, and she was like, uh-oh, he loves you, yeah. And bam, next thing you know. <laughs> so let me say, how did they meet? How did those two meet? How did they meet? How did they meet? Uh, they actually met in the gym, I think. Um, of course. She saw those big Nigerian muscles, and that was it. Yeah, I guess. And he rode a bike. <laughs> oh, a motorcycle or a bicycle? Yeah, motorcycle. Oh, come on, man. He rides a motorcycle and he works out. He's Nigerian. Come on now. They put two and two together. And your mom was like, I can't resist him. Look at him. He's so beautiful. <laughs> Pretty much. Hey, he's beautiful. <laughs> we have a beautiful son. He's beautiful. And next thing you know, here you come. That's it. Are they still together? Uh, no, no, they separated. They actually separated before I was born. Oh, really? So so, so yeah. you weren't the cause. You weren't the cause. What, what, what was no, it? Um, Society? Just didn't work oh man he um he now lives in japan with uh with with his japanese wife and and four mixed japanese kids Ooh, so your daddy's getting around your dad <laughs> your dad <laughs> your dad's making sure the black seed gets around good for him good for him nigeria is going to populate the world via your dad good for you <laughs> so do you and your dad have a good relationship yeah 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 we've got a good relationship oh. he um he loves motorcycle racing, so when I told him I got involved in, in MotoGP and Superbike, he was like, no way. And I brought him out to the Motegi GP last year, which was cool. I was going to ask that. So, yeah, when you go to Japan, do you say, hey, Dad, come on down, and uh, if you get a chance, bring one of your uh, Japanese girlfriends, and we'll have a good time. So, I'll, so that's what happens, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's great. Okay, so let's move to the paddock, man. You're in the paddock, and you see the movement going on, and what made you go? Because a lot of people say they're going to do stuff. You know, oh, man, I got to do this. I got to be more active, and they don't. What made you go, okay, you know what? I've got to do something. What, I mean, what, what was the turning point, the, the final turning point that made you go, I'm doing something? Instead of saying it, you did it. Um, I think it was just as the weekend built up, the, the realization of there nothing being said. There were, I mean, they, they did the Blackout Tuesday post on Instagram, mm -hmm. or MotoGP did, and they'd mentioned like half a sentence in a press release, and um, Carmelo answered a couple of questions to the media, but small level, and I just sat there thinking, why is nothing being said? Why is this not a big deal here? I, I know there's the whole COVID issue, and they're showing support for that, but you can show support for both. It doesn't just have to be for one, you know? So I, as it went on, I just built up this kind of shock that just pushed me to go and do it. Oh, now, when it actually was done, I mean, because, you know, all the races are going to be in Europe. So and I and I've been there before. And honestly, I can't remember if they play a national anthem before. So, like, when do you exactly uh, do kneel? I mean, is it, it before the race or before the because I mean, they do it a little different over in Europe here. It's easy because, you know, national anthem is coming. Boom, I can kneel. But how do you do it over there? So sometimes they do the national anthem, sometimes not. In Jerez, the first time I did it, I um, uh, I did it after the minute silence for COVID. After or during? After. Oh, oh. Now, when you did it, I mean, how did you? I mean, were you nervous? Were you like, were you like nervous of what what was going to happen to you afterwards, or, or were you like, okay, I got to do this and. And whatever, you know, whatever happens after this, I'll be damned, but I'm going to show support. I mean, how, walk me through that. Were you nervous? I mean, how were you feeling inside? What was, was your feelings? I was really nervous. I was wondering what people would say, kind of, if there was going to be any judgment. I didn't think I could get pulled up on, on an issue because they they let everyone 
show their beliefs. I mean, there's, there's no issues with that. But I was, I was worried mainly about judgment and what people would say to me. And I, I got a fair amount of judgment, actually. Um, it's funny you say that. I was going to bring this up, but I was, you know, try to say, trying to find a little homework on you. And, um, you know, I read the article about you, kneeling, and this guy wrote, he goes, I don't, I didn't know MotoGP has its own attention-seeking nobody. Please stop giving attention to this racist. Which, you know, I had to laugh because, I mean, I've heard that before. I mean, it's that, it's that, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, the uh, reverse racism. When they say that, I go, really? So it's okay. It's okay for you to be racist, but a reverse racism, there's no such thing as reverse racism. So, I mean, so how do you take, when you hear that, something like that, you hear people saying stuff like that, how does it make, do you, like I said, do you just keep it going or does it hit you a little bit? You act like it doesn't, but it does. I mean, how do you, how do you feel? The first few comments hit me, but then I thought, you know what? It's just a load of crap from that side anyway, because they don't know me. They don't know who I am. They don't know what I'm standing up for in, in, in reality. And if I was doing this for personal gain, I'd be a really immoral person. Why would I ever do this for, for my own personal gain? I mean, there are so many people suffering still. That would be absolutely disgusting of me. Now, was, was Lewis, uh, Lewis Hampton, was he a big influence on you doing it? Like when you saw him doing it? Yeah, 100%. Have you talked to him? Have you had a handshake? I know he's hard to get, you know, he's like uh, Elvis over there. So, uh, you, uh, yeah. uh, uh, I, I, but you never know, though. I mean, honestly, you never know. I know it sounds bad, but, man, I could see Lewis in you. You're both, honestly, you both got really good-looking guys. You, I mean, I mean, you're, I mean, honestly, you really are. And here's the thing that I was looking on the positive side of everything, at least I try to. And the positive side is being so few in a sport that's, you know, white dominated or, you know, the majority white, 99% white, you're going to stand out. And by him being the best at what he does in that particular field, he's going to stand out. So maybe his message is heard more than, say, a LeBron James or more than some football player. More than, I mean, because his, his, it's going to stand out more because he's in a white dominated field and he's kicking ass. And so he's the best at what he does. And they go, oh, if Lewis is talking about it, then it's really going to bring it to light. And I, I, and I'm going to play devil's advocate because I, I love what you're doing. That's why you're here. And that's why I want to talk to you about it. Because honestly, you're like a little bit of a hero, man. Because, I mean, I've been there before. And honestly, and I put myself in that situation when I was riding on my motorcycle. And I was thinking to interview you. I thought to myself, and, I, and, and I'm going to say this honestly, and I mean no disrespect. If you did that, I was thinking if you did that in, in Austin, in Texas or whatever. And I saw you kneeling. And I thought if he looked at me during the anthem, with those eyes like, are you going to kneel with me? I'm going to be honest, man. I don't know if I could do that. And I'm being honest. And it's not that I don't support you, but I'm going, I don't know if I have the balls to do that. And I mean that for now. I think you got to be black or African American to understand that and no disrespect to anybody else if you're watching. And that's why, to me, man, that is so – and honestly, I, I can't – I don't know if I could. And, and I said it to myself. I go, man, if, if I saw him, and I know you, I know your heart, and I said, if I, if you looked at me during the anthem, like, are you gonna join me, dude? I don't know if I could. I mean, I'm with you, everything, but but to say that, I would have to be with you, with you. You know, I don't want you to do it by yourself and be like, fuck, man. And then I, I don't well, know. Do? That's the thing about it, because that's a great question. That's a great. I'm glad you said that. And I and I asked myself, why couldn't I? Maybe I'm afraid of the backlight. Maybe I'm afraid if I do do that, like afterwards, man, would you know? my my carte blanche status in the gp maybe they would be mad but like you can't do that bt or they i'm afraid they would get pushed back from that and then yeah, they go I, I i had some some worry about that as well i get that completely so it's like maybe but, i'm i'm just a pussy 
Honestly, because man, what you're uh, no, what you're no, you know, I, I'm not no, because what you're doing is stronger than people think. To, it, it, it's easy to walk around going USA, USA, we're the best when you ain't got to do shit. When all you got to do is get up and go to a job or go home and say, "This is the greatest country in the world." It, how hard is that? The hard part is to stand up for something you believe. The hard part is you're making millions of dollars throwing a football, and all of a sudden you go, "You know what?" Uh, seven people choking a guy out who says he can't breathe. I, I'm done with this. I'm going to, uh, you know, or, or you shooting a, shooting a 12-year-old point blank in the chest, not giving him a chance to say it's a toy gun without saying, hey, buddy, you know, I'm, I can't take a seat more. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to take a knee in front of literally 40,000 people. I'm going to take a stand against this, and maybe three will be with me. But those three who are with me, they might not say anything because they're pussies. So I'm going to do it by myself. That takes guts what you do. Don't don't minimize what you're doing, man. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. But I'm looking at myself, and I just feel right now, like now, like now, like now, looking a pussy because I'm with you 100%. But if we were out and we were in Texas and like and you took a knee during the time, I'm going, fuck, would I? join this dude would I and I'm going fuck man and, that, and that's what makes me think like maybe I gotta change who I am I mean you know what I mean because I talk a lot of shit like I'm doing now but but <laughs> but push comes to shove would I when it, when the time comes would I do that and, and so would you not have the thought at the same time as would I or won't I of would you not have that thought of if I don't do it maybe I feel like I'm letting people down yes yes because I really that's one of the biggest things that pushed me yeah. If I don't do it, I'm gonna feel like I've let everybody down. That's beautiful, and I mean, if I mean it, that is fucking beautiful, man. Because I feel this. I like trust me. I, I've let a lot of people down in my whole life, not even politically. I mean, just just being participating in sports and watching my dad's face go. Oh God, he's is he really my son? I mean, so I let a lot of people down in a lot of different ways. But when it comes to it, man, like honestly, the one thing that. Uh, the one thing that got me more than anything is that T- Tamir Rice, when you're 12 years old and you're a toy gun, and, and even the call-in said it's a toy gun, and that cop didn't give that kid a chance, and he shot him. And I think that will stay with me forever. And that I, happens far too often. It, it ha- yes, the, it does. The thing is, is it's not a one-time thing. And Yeah, and no one... I really think... Personally, I don't think nobody's that stupid. I think they, they know it's not, but they, they feel they have to uh, attack... Attack you at every as at, at every aspect you you're trying to get over, and they're gonna attack you no matter where you go. And you go, no, you never been a cop. It's like, yeah, no, bro, it didn't happen to white kids. And it, and if it did, it should be on TV. I mean, the, the big case. I don't know if you know about the big case here now is there was a five year old white kid in North Carolina, and they had a neighbor who was African American, a black guy, and for some reason, and uh, he came and he came and shot that kid in the head. And like three or four times, they, yeah, then he ran off. They end up catching him, no bail. And everybody's like, yeah, it should be that way. But now they're going, say his name. And they're doing the same thing, like, see, Black Lives Matter, this bullshit. Because, and it's like, no, you don't understand. We don't like that piece of shit. And he, sh- and he should be no. punished. And that's all we're 100%. saying. And that's exactly what we're saying, man. Nobody wants to see any. Nobody wants to see it. And that hurt my heart to see that. But also hurt my heart when people were trying to use that politically, man. Nobody wants to see shit like yeah. that happen, well, man. Of, of course, there are people that deserve to be punished for things that they do. And the, but the point is, is there are so many people that are getting punished when they don't deserve it. Yes, innocent people. Innocent exactly. people, and, and you don't treat people the same. I mean, they can. I, I've done a couple of ride-alongs with cops, and you don't treat people the same, and, that, and that's bullshit. And, 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 and how they treat us in, in situations, you go, you know what, if somebody was white, they wouldn't do that to them. 
And and but also but also it's also a power thing also. And I will say this: being a cop is also a power thing. They they do abuse their power with women and with people who are poor or who don't have any power. So it's also a power thing. But it, but it also boils down to race at times. I mean, I've I've got not as an uh, as strong a story, but I've been pulled over multiple times by the police. Always white people. The last time it was a white person. He accused me of speeding when I had the cruise control set to limit my speed at the speed limit, so I physically couldn't go over it. And he just kept saying, you were speeding, you were speeding, you were speeding, and trying to make me admit to it, because if you admit to it, then they can charge you. Mm -hmm. But he had no evidence, and he argued with me for 20 minutes, saying that I was trying to undermine him, saying that I was taking the piss out of him. And, and then flip to the next time I got pulled over, the first time I ever get pulled over by a black guy, and it was recently during all this movement as well. And... I actually made the mistake. I accelerated really quickly. He pulled me over. He goes, what were you doing? I said, accelerating. He didn't assume I was stealing a car. He didn't assume I was up to no good. He treated me with respect. And then in the end, it was just like, off you go. Have a nice evening. And it was just mutual respect, which is exactly how it should be. And it really, really hit me um, because I actually, for the first time, was treated by like a human being by the police. That's... <laughs> but he was black. I'm he with you. a white guy. Yeah, and you know what? And and I'm and I'm, but I'm glad you treated him with respect also. Because one thing I hate more than anything is when it is a black cop. Some people assume, oh, he's black, I'm black, I can just get through this. Hey, what's up, brother? I mean, you got to treat them with respect. And if you do that, and I think they go, okay, he's treating me with respect. Okay, now we're dealing with and level we're right here. And people don't understand that though. And I and I and I and I, when it comes to policing. And I, I believe, honestly, more, I think African-Americans should police African-American communities. I mean, I, like, I don't know how it is over in England. I don't know how it is over there. Do they, ha do they have cops going to, like, predominantly black neighborhoods or, or immigrant neighborhoods? I don't know how they do it over there. Uh, I don't know if they, if they separate and they send, like, the, the ethnic groups into the ethnic groups. Yeah, but, see, I don't know either, and that's why I was asking. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm just saying uh, I'll admit to my ignorance. And I don't know that. That's why I'm asking. You know what I mean? Like, but I think it, I think it plays a major difference. Also, I think if you had more, at least over here in the United States, because you've lived here before, so you've probably seen some stuff. I really think if you have more African American cops in African American communities policing those communities, I guarantee the shootings would go down. And I and I, I don't know about the crime, but yeah. the shootings would go down because we know us. I mean, you know your people. But like, hey, listen, man, and you know, yeah, it's more of a mutual understanding. Yeah. Okay, this guy's crazy. You know, hey, Ronald, but put your pants on, boy. If I take it, take take it down to the jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where uh, no offense, but I think a white cop would be more apt to shoot. You know, and and we've and I've seen that through interviews where like uh, the black cops in, in New York City. I think New York City only has like 173 black cops. I think it was, and they were like saying we want to we want to community. Yeah, it was something like that. I don't I I can't go with facts, I, but something like that. Cause it, it was it was uh, low, very low, substantially low, and and they had an African American cop, and they had the you know black black in his face out, dark in his face, and you know his voice, and he was like, where they send the white guys in, he goes they're trigger happy. And so they get in, the, and they always use the same line, you know. I felt threatened. Um, the guy keeps reaching for something, and, they, and you see it in in the videos when they're trying to, you know, hey, quit resisting when they're not resisting. I think that's the new code word for we can shoot him because he was resisting or whatever. So I think more African Americans sh should police African American communities. And that's just the way I feel yeah, about it. But then also the whole resisting thing, they can put resisting on anything. Yes. I mean, I've I've had to stand up for myself against the police, not in an aggressive way, but just. To to say, look, I'm not doing anything wrong. Why, why are you being aggressive towards me? I mean, that could technically be put down to, to resistance. 
Does it uh, does it scare you? Okay, this cop, do the cops in? Because you've been, uh, you know, you lived here in the United States and you live in England. Like, do the cops frighten you in England with the way they would here? Because I think if you said that here, man, I, I I still have in the back of my mind like he might shoot me. You know what I mean? And that's just the truth. I mean, the English cops don't have guns. Okay. Well, oh, so you can just take an ass whooping, right? I mean, that's all. My, I mean, they might pull out a pull out yeah. their billy club, but I, I can go billy club with fist. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, that all you got? Yeah. You ain't got no gun? Oh, we about to knuck up. So, okay. So, uh, like, uh, are you more apt to speak up to an English cop? You know, maybe not bow up on him, but kind of. Yeah, sp- I, I, I speak. I, I, I make my point. I speak up. Okay. And one of the crazy things is I don't speak like. The stereotypical black person that they think that they're pulling over. Right. So, so they come at me with this kind of aggressive demeanor and ready to put some force on me, and then I start speaking like a civilized human being, and and their tune completely changes over the conversation. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you said that. I was gonna say that because I've been through that before. I grew up in a time where, like, I've always kind of talked like this. So, growing up where I grew up, they go, "Oh man, you talk like a white boy," and so I got that my whole entire life. But and I'm so I'm glad you said even, that. Even my name's got me stopped because in, in I don't know if they've got it in the U.S., but when they follow a car, they can pull up all of the registration details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it comes up with your name and everything on the screen and insurance, so they know exactly who you are. But my name doesn't suit my face, meaning like I have a, a white name. Right. Uh, because your parents wanted you to get a job. That's why. They go, we want this guy to get yeah. a job. Francis. You're going to be Francis. I mean, when you get out of school, they can call you Frankie B if you want to be a rapper or whatever. But here, it's Francis. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's half the reason why they think I've stolen my car. Because they can't believe that I have that name. Hey, man. I mean, it is what it is. It is. I mean, honestly... I, I, I want to say I can understand it. I think I sometimes give the cops too much leeway, in a way, because. Uh, but yeah, I get it. I mean, I really do. I get it. So you have to be like mm, calm, and but it's so hard. People don't realize how hard yeah, it is. You're gonna think it's really hard. your whole life, your whole life is like that. Your entire life, and and pe- talking to somebody who doesn't understand, and they go, "Well, all you gotta do is you go, man. Why don't you just shut up? You don't understand what we go through sometimes. You know what I mean? So." I understand where you're coming from, but now here's where I'm going to play devil's advocate. Now, I've been to the MotoGP paddock, and like I said, you're the only African-American there, or, or the only black guy there, So, and I've been there. So saying that and what Dorna should do is step up, that's, to me, it, it's commendable, but at the same time, have you seen blacks try to get into MotoGP and they've been denied, or have you seen discrimination there? Because, I mean, I've read your thing, and, it's, and like you said, you haven't experienced any racism there, and I haven't experienced any any bad moments at all in GP as far as people treating me. You know what I mean? I mean, to me, it's a it's a great friendly place, and I love it. So, yeah, like, it's actually really diverse. It's it's really diverse, and I'm I love. I mean, I love the paddock, and I love. Every, but like I said, I've never experienced uh, racism there or any kind of you know anything at all there. So when you speak up against GP, like they could do more, like what can Dorna do more? I mean, cause we all know racing is expensive and we all know that it's hard to get into and hard to get into, especially the GP, like GP and Formula One are the creme de la croix. So it's hard to get in there no matter what your race is. So what can they do to be more accommodating to African-Americans? And cause we've seen women there. We've seen, you know, Maria Herrera. We've seen uh, Anna Carrasco, you know, the, the, uh, but there's also another uh, Beatrice, whatever I forget her name, but she's a Spanish writer. Beatrice Naylor. Yeah. She's a, great writer but i don't know if she'll you know make it to that level so what can dorna do 
to be more accommodating to African Americans or, or or you know to black uh, to blacks and make it more accepting. Because I mean, for me personally, I go there and I don't experience anything. It's almost like almost like I'm colorblind a little bit because I've never had anybody say a crossword. They've been nothing but nice handshakes and just talk. And everybody's been great. So yeah, and if you're from your point of view, what can they be? Because you're in it, in it. I, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems is it's really difficult to fix is there is no black role model. Like in formula one, you have Lewis Hamilton, yes. which has increased the, the viewership from African-Americans or black people massively. I mean, I didn't really watch formula one until 2007. Lewis shows up on the scene and I watch every single race. Yes. Yeah. It's like that. So, so, so until there is that, it's going to be difficult to get people involved at the beginning because you can't really relate to it as much. That's true. Um, no, that's 100% true. Saying. Yeah, I mean, just it's motorsports in general. I mean, that's why I, I feel like I'm the only one here. I'm, I feel like the last dinosaur, man. I'm sitting here, you know, I loved motorsports growing up. That was my whole thing growing up. And it's funny, even to this day, this one guy says, man, says, man, says, man, says, because he'll watch basketball, which I like too. But if I got a chance between uh, MotoGP and Formula One and World Superbike, Hey man, my day is pretty much set. You know what I mean? I'm watching all yeah, three, yeah. and I, that's the truth, man. And I, I could give less than a damn about stick and ball sports. And sometimes, you know, t- stereotypically, African Americans don't really get into it. So it's like you're pretty much at, you're it. You're pretty much it. And if I can be, or you can be a role model, which hopefully that's what I honestly that's what I hope this does. I hope somebody sees this and sees what you're doing and sees you and go, okay. You know what I mean? Like it's okay to make a stand in a predominantly predominantly white environment and show like, hey, this is wrong. What's going on? I mean, that's what that's what my goal for this is. I want people to see this and see who you are as a person, how great you are as a person and say, look, man, you know, Thanks, man. I you know and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, man. That's what I wanted to do, because I mean, you're a dude like just the salt of the earth, man. You're a great everything around the board. So when I saw you do that, I knew this affected you like it affected me. And you're a little younger than me. And so it's like, and this is where I feel like I'm being like, a, like an old curmudgeon. But I'm thinking, okay, man, listen, <laughs> this dude can actually change some shit. You know what I mean? And I feel that from you. And like, I want to. Well, I, so go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was, I was just going to say, I hope so, because that's the aim to change things, open the doors. I think, I think a th- Another thing is a lot of people forget the other roles that go on behind the scenes. I mean, before I showed up in my school, I had no idea about the diversity in terms of jobs here. I mean, there's there's helmet suppliers, suit suppliers, there's lots of places in media. It's not just mechanics and riders and engineers. I think that'd be I think that'd be a great you could be a spokesman for that. I mean, I don't know if you could start your own group up, you know, like uh, I don't know. See, you can't really say blacks in motorsports, whatever. BIM, blacks in motorsports. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you could, in a way, and you could find out who manages Lewis. You know, say, hey, man, what can I do? I mean, try to get get to him. You know, say, send a note to the guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, and it gets to Lewis and say, listen, here's what I want to do with MotoGP because you know he loves he loves motorcycles too. He loves you know you saw we yeah, get with. So we did with Rossi last year. GP bike. Yeah. Oh, at Valencia last year. So, yeah. like, what would you like to uh, if 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 you could have a role for like for blacks to look up to? Say, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. What what would you want that role to be? Ooh, that's a difficult one. Um, and engi- I think engineering is a great one because it's it, it it requires education. It pushes your mind, and having engineers in this sport will just push the sport further to get faster and faster and better and better. But also. 
on on the like talking to Lewis's manager and stuff and, and setting up this organization, I No, he's he's stuck. A um oh. No, you're good now, you're good. You yeah, you're good, you're good. You're good. Okay, sorry. Um I'm in touch with a uh organization called Driven by Diversity, which are trying to help push diversity in motorsport specifically. Okay. So 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 there there is help out there. Okay. And they're trying to set up initiatives and push diversity in motorsport in terms of helping people either drive, find jobs, everything. Oh, that's awesome. And that do you like tag it on your Instagram or do you anything like that? So people who who do follow you, maybe they are you know black or or a woman, and they go, you know what? Okay, diversity in motorsports. And, you know, because it maybe if you hashtag it, they can find, they can find, they can find, they can, and then you get a nice little ball rolling. And like I said, then maybe we see more diversity in the sport. And would you be comfortable being? Yeah. A, would you be comfortable being a leader in that though? I think so. Yeah. You think? Well, I, you know what? <laughs> Honestly, if you if you can if you can kneel in that, if you can kneel and do that, you could you could definitely be a leader in that. I I really believe that. And like I said, man, that hit me like a ton of bricks, man, and I was like so. Just, I felt a euphoric feeling, and I was like, yes. And like, like I said, man, it was you, and I know you. And I was like, man, if this affects this guy, because, I mean, like, from the outside looking in, you know, if you don't know any better, I think, oh, this guy's got it made. He, he didn't experience anything. Because, I mean, like I said, you're lighter skinned, and everybody knows if you're lighter skinned, you know, it's a little bit more of a pass than if you're darker skinned. You know what I mean? And you, like I can say, you speak. Even that's not right. It's like the acceptable level of blackness. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. well you know, I'm darker, so they, you know, look at me a little more different than they look at you. Plus, I'm also older, too, so, you know. But still, I mean, outside looking in, stereotypical, yeah, I think you've got it made, and it's in, but you go through the same stuff we do. But the fact that you did that and took that knee, man, that just, it made, it filled me with such pride. It really did. So I, I know you could do that, uh, be a, lead, a leader in this the drive by diversity, and you should. And I, I honestly, I think you should meet Lewis and say, listen, here's what I want to do, and I think you should do that. Like I said, I don't know how to get through to his people, but man, you could send an email or something and say, Lewis, help. Yeah, the more we push the conversation and, and start working on it all together, the better it will be. As, as any as any writers or anybody came up to you afterwards and said, hey, man, good job or whatever? I mean, like on, on, on the. Yeah, loads of people in the paddock have, have come up to me and said, you did the right thing. Really? You started, the, you started it. Hopefully, we'll move somewhere with it. That's beautiful, man. Like, like any big names, like did Rossi or or Marquez or anybody or. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to know. You never know. I'm more like, did that, and how, you know what? Okay, how about this? And I thought it was a joke, but I also thought maybe. I thought honestly, I thought Frankie Morbidelli, because Frankie, my, before I met you, Frankie was about as close to black as you came in the paddock. You know what I mean? Because he's, <laughs> he's he's half Brazilian, half Italian. He's got that he's, you know, he's got, got that fro, you know, and he's got the pick and the fro. I go, Frankie, you and Frankie together could probably change some shit. I mean, he's a successful rider. He, he's um, he's actually spoken out about it to a to a, a media company um in Italy actually. Really. Yeah, yeah, they, they interviewed him and asked him some questions about the whole situation. Oh, that's great, man, because honestly, I love Fr Frankie is a man of few words. And if you watch yeah, if, if you watch those interviews, I interviewed him once, I think, uh, at uh, Coda, after he won the Moto2 race. I go, Frankie, man, how's it feel to win that race and now you're you know leading the championship? We go, yeah, feels good. And that's it. And you go, <laughs> okay, Frankie. And he's a man of few words. But I love he's Frankie. He's so modest. 
He he's the great. And I honestly, I want to get him on here. You know what I mean? I want to interview him, and I think he would only because whenever I'm in the paddock, he always says hi to me, and I think it's that. Okay, he's close to being black like me, so I'll you know I'll wave to him or whatever. But he always talks to me, so I think I can get Frankie on here. I would love to ask Frankie about that. I think honestly, I think him, you, and if you get to Lewis, then you can uh, you can start making some headways. Fingers crossed. I'm, I'm, Fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean that because you know they're going to listen to those guys more because they're actually you know they're racers. Yeah. But you also, and you're in it, man. I mean, you could make some damn change, and it'd be great to see. Now, I'm asking you a, a hypothetical question. Would you be as apt to take a knee, like, say, next year, when you go to Coda? Will you, would you be as apt to take a knee there, or would you be afraid to, or would you do it with no, with no reservations? No reservations. Any country, regardless. I've done it every single race so far, and I'm not going to stop. Oh, good for you, man. I mean it from the bottom of my heart, man. You make me proud, brother. I mean that. You make me proud, man, because it's like it's easy to talk about, but to do and to do in the face of everybody watching, you know what I mean? And it's like, wow, I mean, I'm blown away by it. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart, man. I'm so blown away by it. I, like, I didn't know what to ask. How, you know, how do I ask you on this? And the part that got me was like, I was thinking, and that's the part I thought, if I was in Texas at CODA, and I saw you, and you looked at me like, are you going to do it? And I was like, man. And that's when I, I caught myself like, God, dude, why wouldn't I? And, and, that, and that got me. You know what I mean? And that's what made me go, I need to fuck, you know, do something with my life. You know, make a change. Like, you know, telling jokes and everything else, yeah, that's okay. But to make a change and to stand up for something or to just to kneel for something, that's doing something. You know, so and that's what you're doing, man. You don't talk about it. You're being about it. And I just think that is great, Francis. I really do. I, I think I, you, I applaud what you're doing. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to make some change. No, man. I mean, seriously, you're trying. I'm a lot of a lot of conversations in the background of meetings and trying to push stuff. Um, I actually had a meeting with Carmelo Espeleta in Bruno. Really? How'd it go? How'd it go? Yep. It was good. He he gave me some insight onto where he thinks and and, and what they might do in the future, what they might not do. That's man. That's great. If anybody doesn't know who Carmel, Carmel, uh, Carmelo Esbeleta is, he's the head of Dorna, and uh, he's the man basically. So having the meeting with him is great. So try to get me a job in there too if you get a chance. Next time you have a meeting, say I got <laughs> yes. this great guy and he's black and honestly he would be great for us. It'd be it'd be Frankie, Lewis, Francis, and BT, and I think those four. Could be the four horsemen, 100%, man. the four horsemen of motorsports. We really could. I think Lewis probably gets sick of me, but we would have a great little, <laughs> we'd have a great little quad. I think we would. Get you on the TV. Yeah, get me on the telly. Get me on the telly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so before we get out of here, man, real quick, like, what did you think of the of the crash last week? Uh, first of all, the Moto Two um, crash. The Moto Two crash first, because that was scary. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, Everybody is so lucky. Cyrene, Morbidelli, Rossi, Zarco, Vinales. Just the shock across the entire paddock was insane. But, I mean, justified. That was one of the biggest moments that has been in decades, maybe. Just, first of all, when the Moto2 happened, when you saw it, when, I, when uh, uh, Bastianini, when he came off, when he came off the high side, he knew to mm. get out, but, man... The way that I, I go, oh, no, because I saw the bike spinning, and I, you know, when somebody's slipstreaming, I saw that happen. I go, no. And oh, when, yeah. That was the worst was feeling because you knew what was going to happen. Yeah, man. And you know who no one talks about who got lucky in that was Dominika Gerter. 
Dominique, he dodged a yeah. bullet on that. He dodged a big yeah. bullet on that. And Dominique has been around. Remember his teammate in Moto2 was uh, Tamazawa. Remember that? Oh, yeah. So he's been around that before, man. So I was like, oh, I felt so bad for him. And then in GP, I've never seen a crash where basically nobody was hurt, but it just affected everybody to the point it's still there. Like I did a tweet yesterday. I go, I had that feeling it's still there, man. You know? The reality is we could have lost more than one rider in that crash. Yeah. I mean, you actually... If you really think you could have lost four, because the way Morbidelli went down and, and Zarco also, but then that speed—if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that uh, the, the fence catching that bike, man, it could have been a a a Vinales dodged a bullet, and then Rossi died. And honestly, man, the look on his face when they got back to the paddock, nice, yeah. man, that said it all. He just looked like he saw a ghost, and I think he did. And somebody sent me this yet last night. They said. 46 plus 12 is 58, and that's Simucelli's number. And, you know, I, I put that number, I mean, and I got that picture on my Instagram of Simucelli looking down at Rossi, you know, and Rossi looking up at him, and he's basically, you know, protecting him from heaven from that wreck. And, man, that just got me. It was this morning. I looked at my, my phone, and I saw that. I go, fuck. I mean, it's like that was the hand of God, man, because he was done. I mean, that, that bike, and I'm talking middle that leaders. Was- and I, I my, I got my, uh, my producer. He's nineteen, and I try to, I'm trying to get him to love MotoGP, <laughs> and he doesn't understand these bikes. This bike is going at least two hundred miles an hour without somebody on. They crashed earlier, mm-hmm. and they're coming around the corner, and this bike is flipping, and it misses him by about this much, really? literally. Yeah, he ca- literally and like a hair. Yeah, it literally by a hair. So man, whoo! Now, what's the mood in the paddock now? What's the mood in the paddock this week right now? Um, kind of bit of apprehension for the, for the next race really personally i yeah personally i am because this circuit always throws up really tight racing yeah because it's just really really harsh acceleration zones really high speeds down the straight and then really harsh braking zones into very slow corners so everybody's on the limit constantly mm. so hopefully you're going to flow as much as other places so fingers crossed just... and hopefully we get everybody gets through safe basically is what you're saying yeah no, I hope so yeah, too. The, the circuits, the circuits, a safe place. Yeah. Okay. How about Mazzano? You looking forward to Mazzano? Yes. Back to the seaside. Ba- back to Italy. <laughs> now, why'd you move from Italy back to this? Uh, back to uh, England? Why'd you? Why'd you move? Um, lockdown got kind of old really fast, <laughs> there, and I miss my family and friends, so moved back. Push myself to build up my career there as well. Okay, so what what what's the overall goal career wise? What do you want to do career wise? Like in next five years, where where do you want to be, Francis? Where does Francis Bradfield um, Bradfield want to be in five years? I'm, I'm trying to move across into communications, um, so I haven't got a like end goal. I just want to push myself, get into communications, and then build myself from there. Do you want to stay in motorsports when you do that? Yeah, 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 hundred percent in motorsports. I'll never never leave motorsports. You got the love of motorsports. <laughs> Good. Okay. Yeah, man. Five years, okay, in 10, what's your 10-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? In 10 years, you'll be, what, 30? No, I'll be <laughs> 38. Oh, look at you. Man, I hate you. Okay, in 10 years, you'll be 30. <laughs> I, God, I hate you young, good-looking guys. Okay, so <laughs> what, what, you ever thought about being a supermodel? I mean, you're a nice-looking guy. You're about being a supermodel, maybe get some extra uh, dough in the cash uh, on, on the side? Not fit enough for that. 
not tall enough either. <laughs> so in 10 years, what do you want to be in 10 years? I also haven't thought about that, honestly. Um, I'm just kind of thinking about the now and the sh- kind of short-term goals at the moment. I'm in a changeable situation since I've just moved back. Okay. At you- the moment, I'm helping build uh, an esports agency. I'm on the social media side of it for... Um, they're actually trying to push women into esports because they're underrepresented. They're called Inner Esports. Oh, my, so it's called Inner Esports. In In it. In it. In it. Esports. Yeah. And what is it? And what do they yeah. do? What do they do exactly? Uh, they're they're a, uh, an agency, so they're trying to put on event, on event, on event, on a help connect sponsors and different companies together to help push the esports industry. Nice. So you got a little something going on. Good for you, man. Good for you. No, you have a great head on your shoulders. I know you're going places. Be big time, man. You are. You're big time. And (laughs) make even better is you're standing up for something, and that makes it even more better. You know what I mean? And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. It makes it even more better because you're not just like I said. I I, it sounds like I'm beating a a dead horse, but you don't only talk about it. You're being about it, and you you're just a good guy all around. And like I said, I want somebody to watch this interview, and I want and I want to inspire somebody to do what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, have you inspired me to go, you know what? And when time comes, I got a chance to kneel, damn it, I'm going to do it. And the hell with uh, the, hell so with the consequences. Count on you in Texas. Then. Count on me in Texas, brother. I mean, I, like, I'm not going to talk this shit. I'm going to back this shit up is what I'm going to do. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart because I'm, you know, honestly, man, you know, I, I kind of, it's almost like we accept the little bitty jabs or whatever that, you know, they say about certain things and whatever. And it's like, no, uh-uh. No, this is evil, and something needs to stand up to this. Because, I mean, if not, it's just going to yeah. keep going on. It's time. Yeah, it's time. We've been getting murdered in, in the streets for years. I mean, you've seen it. I mean, from the, from, the, from the inception. I mean, you see why. But even before Rodney King, there was the, the L.A. cops were always mean to. Uh, with, with, with the Watts riots and the riots in the United States, what happened, it all stems from it's a systematic racism, and it's, and it's the system, and it's dirty cop. And there's all, yeah, I got to kiss ass and say there's good cops. But at the same time, you know, we got to change the system. And the change begins with one person, then two, then three and hopefully it reaches where it needs to reach. So, exactly. So, man, God, I, I cannot... Whoa, what was that? I think it was what Jimmy Hendrix. I think Jimmy Hendrix was trying to tune his guitar. All right, we got oh, it? Boy. Okay. Yeah. So, man, I just want to... Th- like, again, thank you so much, Francis, for this. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Um, hopefully... Hopefully, I might get a chance to make it to Portugal at the end of the year. We'll see, man. I'll, I'll, oh, yes. I would love to. I mean, fingers crossed. We're in Portugal. If we go it's to a por- sick circuit. Awesome place, too. If we go to Portugal, me and you, bro, I'm going to make you I'm gonna make you buy dinner and uh, on the company dime. <laughs> and, I, and I better get a KYT helmet in the mail in the next week. For so that's, sure. that's, what, sure. <laughs> that's what I'll be looking forward to. Francis, thank you so much. Uh, if you guys want to read, it says Drive by Diversity. Does that have a, a website or anything? Driven by Diversity. Driven by Diversity. Is it a dot com? It's a dot com. Yeah, dot Driven. Com, all the social platforms, too. Gotcha. Driven by Diversity dot com. Go to uh, Twitter, Instagram, and they're on it. Francis, thank you so much, buddy. Good luck. Stay safe, and we will talk later. Yes, man. And Thanks like, for having me on, dude. Anytime. And like I always say about this time, pay.